can't believe you two took that raving lunatic seriously. What do you think this is? <laughs> Hi, Greg. Hi. Greg, we're doing a podcast. Mm. This is pretty cool. Podcast. Yeah, we're calling it the Public Function Show. Uh, um, fantastic name. It's really, really great. It's a play on, was it Java? Java you, has public functions? You seriously want to be the best at TypeScript. You don't even know what public <laughs> functions are. Do you even write public functions in TypeScript? I don't really know. I don't, Have you ever written an object-oriented language before? No, I don't, I don't know anything about programming, Greg. I really don't. Mm. So Greg, we're doing we're doing a podcast. We're calling it the Public Function Show. We're talking technology. We're talking software development. Talking games. We're talking other nerd stuff. That, does that sound like a reasonable summary of what it is we're doing here? Yeah, I think so. Wait, did you just agree with me? Yeah. That's that's not going to make for very good podcast content, Greg. We gotta we gotta. I'm sure it'll come out later. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, yeah, TypeScript is great. Java sucks. That doesn't make any sense because one comes from the other. <laughs> it's actually 40 chess card because I know how much you love Java and I know how much you secretly love TypeScript, but you don't want to admit to it. You'll come around. You'll see. Mm. Convince me. Well, well, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll have to think of something. We'll have to think of something. Nothing you build ever lasts long enough to care about TypeScript. This is true. That is, this is the... This is the problem with JavaScript these days, right? There's always something new, mm-hmm. right? What is, React is old. Like, why would you even use that? Get that out of here. I don't know, man. Vue 3 is coming out. Vue 3, oh, snap. What, what's going on in Vue 3? I haven't heard about switching this. switching to TypeScript. Uh, <laughs> is that like default? Default TypeScript for Vue 3? No, I think they're just rewriting the underlying language in TypeScript, mm-hmm. in the lang framework. But doesn't that make it easier to work in TypeScript in Vue then on the front end side? Not really. Have you ever tried to use a TypeScript library when you're not writing TypeScript on the front end? No, why would you do that? You should try it sometime. That doesn't Go sound find like one fun. of those libraries that somebody wrote in TypeScript and then try to use it somewhere where it's not TypeScript. That doesn't sound like fun at all. No, you should try it. Okay. Because most of the time it's just compiled with Babel and then it's just regular JavaScript sitting in a folder that you can't read because it's compiled with Babel. But it was once TypeScript. Beautiful TypeScript typed and everything man okay yeah it doesn't sound like fun i would not like to try that but i think i get your point there greg what are we talking about today what's our topic our topic is everyone hates linux the zero 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 with zero indexed zero indexed. array element yes definitely the original Episode. show mm-hmm. yeah why, why does everyone hate linux greg well the key bindings for one <laughs> Those dastardly Windows operating system-based key bindings. Everyone hates those. I mean, every web developer uses Mac most of the time. And then you just switch to a Linux computer, which is undoubtedly is faster, is easier to use. You don't have the same software, and you don't have the same key bindings. Yeah, I mean, having that control button over in the corner and trying to reach for it with your pinky, it's not good or goes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't type correctly. That's true. Yes, if you don't use your pinky, it makes it even harder. Mm -hmm. You should do something about that, Greg. My pinky has no dexterity. <laughs> so many years of not using them. Got to work on that, Greg. Mm-hmm. Got to exercise that muscle. Got to exercise my fingers. How do, how do you exercise your fingers for programming? Ooh, what that's a good do? question. I don't know. There's what a lot of stretches, right? You just stick your hands out and do the, the spirit fingers. So what I'm doing right now, since this is a it podcast. It kind of looks like jazz hands for someone. It someone's. is kind of jazz hands, right? Jazz so hands. you stick your arms out straight in front of you. Greg, do this with me, even though the viewers can't see. You stick your hands out, right? Palms forward fingers pointing up, right? And then you wiggle your fingers. See how that stretches out the tendons in the back of your hands, in the back of your wrists? Feels kind of weird. Yeah, but what's the benefit? This stretches out the tendons in the back of your wrists, right? Do they need to be stretched? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we sit on our butts and we type into these tiny little laptops on really bad keyboards. I mean, the for, worst keyboards. For hours. I still day. have the silver MacBook, though. My keyboard's great. The old, the real silver, the OG silver. The OG silver, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the post-plastic. Unibody. Free touch bar, unibody with a CD drive. Can still open it with a regular screwdriver. Silver it doesn't one. have a CD drive. 
No, no CD. No CD drive. Oh well, you're talking about the one before. You're talking. So you're talking about our work machines. Our work machines are the pre 2016, 2015. I mean the uh, best. Inch the best Pros. year. Well, Marco Arment wrote a very long article saying that these machines are, and I quote, the greatest laptop of all time. I agree with him. Not 100% sure about that. The keyboards still aren't great. They are very nice to look at, but... Talking about the keyboards in the 2015 is not great? Compared to something like... Adele? Adele. No. Uh, the new Lenovo X1 Extreme. Never seen that. Uh, it's brand new. Brand, brand new. Lenovo X1 Extreme. We'll put a link for that in the show notes. 4K screen. Full ThinkPad quality keyboard. All replaceable internals. It says it has extreme power. That looks well, like a ThinkPad from 20 years ago with a little dot in the middle. But it's actually newer, Greg. It's carbon, all carbon fiber. 4K what screen. What do I need carbon fiber? Am I like going to the moon? It's lighter and it's impact resistant, Greg. If you've seen my work machine, I have random dents in the top of my well, you broke the, my Who breaks the Apple logo? I, that's also the other thing. Listeners, I somehow was able to crack the glowing Apple logo on the back of my work machine. No idea how that happened. No clue. But if you have a carbon fiber back, it doesn't happen now, does it? But I mean, you have to look like you're using a ThinkPad from 1995. My dad, I think, had one of these. That's okay. That's what stickers are for, correct? Mm. It looks like the machine that your dad had from back in the day, the IBM ones. Mm -hmm. But these are definitely not IBM ones anymore. But... They do have a much, much better keyboard. Much nicer than any of the MacBooks from the last, I'd say, six or seven years. They need to work on their naming. Think yeah, naming is hard. one Extreme. Yep. Part number 20MF000BUS. But then they have an even better one. It's called the Extremely Awesome Bundle. 20MF000CUS0920. Sounds like a marketing problem. Well, the U.S., I'm assuming stands for United States, 0920, that's where it comes from. The coupon is X awesome. It's a great coupon. That's the best coupon. Do we know anyone that could help them with, like, their advertising or, like, their marketing or, like, you know, maybe make up a campaign for them to help them? No. No, we don't? No. You get three-year on-site upgrade from one. On-site upgrade for a laptop? What can you upgrade? The X1 Extreme has all upgradable internals, Greg. RAM slots, battery, hard drives. Plural. This is a thing in computers? Wi-Fi card. You'll probably take the heatsink off and replace that too because it's screwed in. The way computers should be made, Greg. So what would happen if I installed Linux on this computer? It would run beautifully and smoothly and probably better than any MacBook that you've ever put your hands on ever. What if I tried to play Destiny on that laptop? Uh, <laughs> Blizzard would ban you. Mm. Nice segue, Greg. Brings us to our topic. What Brings might back? What might think? Uh, what would be your reasoning for them banning people? Why Blizzard is? Uh, I, I'm a little confused by this topic because the the thing that we're talking about today is Blizzard has. There are stories of Blizzard, the game company who publishes a game called Overwatch. Um, World of Warcraft. Yeah, that too. I mean, you know. Among other things. I only played that, you know, from when I was 20 I, I don't, years I don't old know until... what that is. I've, I've never heard of that before. Anyway, uh, hmm. Blizzard has reportedly started banning people who are attempting to play Overwatch on a Linux operating system using a piece of software called Wine. Now, what Wine does is that it allows Linux users to play Windows-based games on their Linux operating system. It's simply a emulator, translation layer... Basically a thing that just lets you run Windows-only programs. This is interesting for a couple of different reasons, Greg. Right? You've got, why are you banning people from playing your game, first of all, if there's no proof of cheating? Why are you restricting your game to a single platform? And Blizzard has had to deal with this with other games in the past. So... Tell me your thoughts, Greg. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? Well, I mean, there's ultimately the question of whether or not game companies can support multiple operating systems. I mean, I, I, you know, there's not much difference between Linux, Mac, and Windows, assuming you have the same graphics drivers. Which that's 
actually a pretty big leap these days, thanks NVIDIA. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of other things that aren't compatible, but they all kind of use the same processors. They all use the same video cards. They all use the same drivers. So I'd imagine that there is some non-negligible additional support that a company would have to put on to support the game on both platforms. But then it really comes down to me wondering if you can run Linux on any computer and you can run Windows on any computer, why wouldn't you just install Windows? That, 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 that's a troll comment, Greg. I, uh, we're going to strike that. We're gonna, I'm taking that out in the post. Not, I'm, not, I'm not allowing that on my podcast. Mm, well, I mean, it's, it's a question you kind of have to answer, think about. There are lots of reasons not to install Windows. We're not going to go over those today. But the question is, you bring up a good point here, is that if the operating systems, if the hardware is the same and the operating system is able technically to run the game, why would you limit people from playing the game on their preferred operating system? I think one of the things about Overwatch specifically is that it has the whole league and has the competitive nature of it. There's tons of reasons why they might want to do that. You know, having people get at the low level system that runs the game might somehow allow them to possibly cheat would be, I think, mm. their argument. Especially in a, in a game that is as competitive with the League and everything that's going on in Overwatch. Although it does look like, you know, what is this? April 20th, one of the customer support people from Blizzard did say that they don't ban people. Blizzard support won't ban people for playing on Wine or on a Mac or any emulated Windows environment. But it came up recently in Destiny that someone got banned possibly for playing Destiny on. Which is interesting, because Destiny does not have anywhere near as insane of a competitive environment. It does have competitive modes, but they're not... It's not like there's a whole league around it. But there's this guy on Reddit, in R Linux Gaming, who said that he was banned for playing Destiny 2 on Wine. Uh, and he has an update that says no word from any official Bungie channel. I've hit their Twitter support accounts, forums, both Destiny Reddits, and have had zero response, not even an acknowledgement. So what does this look like? Does it I mean we know that Bungie and uh, and Blizzard are two related but different companies? What do you think? What do you think about this? This is an interesting thing, right? The officially stated position, I believe, of this person who was banned from playing Destiny. Uh, is that wine could be potentially used to circumvent some of the things that prevent people from cheating, right? And so their perspective is that if you're using wine, there is a potential avenue of cheating, and so they limit people from using wine just outright to prevent that possibility. That's a fair point. However, there are a couple of things that kind of conflate this a little bit, right? You've got the entire situation with Overwatch, which happened several months ago, where there were several players who were playing on Linux, were banned, raised a hubbub about it, were very public and very vocal about it, and Blizzard had to go back and, and overturn these bans and reinstate these people, these players, in full, and allow them to run the game on Wine and Linux. Now the situation has come up again, and it seems like they're making the same mistake again. And that seems a little bit odd. Don't you think, Greg? Yeah, I mean, Bungie is different than Blizzard. Blizzard and Bungie are owned by the same parent company, but they don't actually do much directly with each other, except for the fact that Destiny's launcher is Battle.net, because Battle.net does have anti-cheating software built into the launcher of the game. But I mean, I I tend to wonder, you have access to every one of the source files that launches the game in Windows or in a Linux emulated environment. Really, they should be looking into having their games actually detect when their source files or their config files or their base files have been edited and then block the person from playing, you know, at that point, which it wouldn't really matter because it's kind of like the attack vector of the game is just the actual base files of the game, the networking, which... I doubt anybody's really getting into the networking of the games. If they are, you know, you have a bigger problem. 
but it's more just the you have the actual files, all the textures, everything, all the bin files, all the stuff that runs the game, and then you have those config files. So like there's things you can do in games like Fallout where you edit the config file and you can change, you know, the the FPS that the game runs on because they have a very weird engine where the game's frame rate actually determines how fast things happen in the game. There's some people that go in there and change the frame rate limits so that the game runs like super fast or super slow. So there are actually direct relationships between things that you can change in the configs and the way that the game actually runs. But I think that it's really, regardless of how someone launches the game, it's the responsibility of the game maker to harden the ability for the game to know when someone's manipulated those files in ways and also don't let configuration values that change legitimate things in the game be accessible in those files in the first place. Yeah, that would make perfect sense, right? We assume that, well, we believe that Blizzard and the people who make these games are very technical and savvy people, and they understand the nuances between something that's used simply to launch a game and something that would be used to manipulate these files, like you're saying. So that's one of the reasons that it seems very odd that this action that they've taken makes it seems like they don't necessarily understand the difference there. But I don't think that's true. So what else could be going on here? Are they not, they not learn anything from their previous situation here? Like you said, is Bungie, Bungie behaving differently? It's just an odd situation all the way around. Maybe they just didn't get the memo? Maybe they just didn't get them out. They didn't read their email that day. Um, they may have been out of the office. You know, they stayed out too late the night before, and they didn't, they didn't read their email. It happens all the time. I mean, I think these companies are really, really big. There's, there's completely different sections of the company that deal with these things. I mean, Bungie has a very active gamer community and, and relations team. You have Damage04 is just always on Reddit reading things. He probably knows the pulse of what these people are talking about, but I think that it's just... One of those things where like you have to kind of draw a line in the sand and say we're either going to fully support Linux or we're going to harden our game through security through the launchers etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know they may be they may eventually have an idea to support Linux in future versions of games but it's just it's a smaller use use case it's a smaller set of users I mean it really goes back to the point I said before like can't you just install Windows if you're going to be playing games you could just install Windows on your machine or have a dedicated machine. You basically get like a really, really high-end Xbox that just runs games. It's great. I have a Linux computer, a Linux drive on my Windows computer, my super battle station. It's on its own hard drive. And I have a dedicated Windows one that's on its own hard drive, and I just boot between the two. And, you know, I play games on Windows. It's literally the only thing I do. I turn it on. I turn on Battle.net turn on all the crap to watch the temperature of my video card, my mm -hmm. processor while I'm playing, and I just play Destiny. And That's all well and good. The, the thing with Windows is that a lot of people have legitimate objections to actually installing Windows, right? They don't want the problems that come with the spyware that's installed by default on Windows 10. They do not enjoy the performance lag that comes from installing a very heavy operating system. There are limitations on things you can do in terms of if you are involved in any sort of software development. Windows is not necessarily the preferred platform to do that on. And so if you're, if you're a typical gamer, if you're a young person, a not-so-young person, whoever, and you've, got, you, you've sunk a bunch of your budget into really good hardware, right? You've got all that new... That, you know, that my new, Titan XP. That, that new graphics card. Mm. You've got that, got that eight-core processor. Got a ton of rain. What are you doing? You got a, you got a, a bunch of lights lighting up your light up your desktop, and you got a super fast, beautiful big monitor. Maybe you don't have a hundred dollars, one hundred twenty dollars left over for a Windows license. I mean, right? I've seen streamers that just have the "Please activate Windows" screen. Yeah, <laughs> running on their yeah, computer. Yeah, like I've seen several YouTubers, like yeah. uh, you know, hardware YouTubers. Uh, Linus Tech Tips comes to mind. Uh, he has actually put out a video talking about why he doesn't activate. Because he's and essentially the TLDR now is that he's switching his test bed so often and he's switching out hardware so often that it doesn't make any sense and that it would be uh, financially not not realistic to activate a new Windows license every single time he was testing a new hard drive 
we're testing a new video card, we're testing a new motherboard. Right. Yeah, that makes sense for some people, but I mean, for me, I installed Windows once. So I have a funny story about installing Windows, which is kind of in tune with what you're saying. So right, tell us. <laughs> so I had a copy of Windows 7 from five years ago. And there was a point in time when they were trying to get people to upgrade to Windows 8, and 8 was just garbage. Yep. And then they're like, you should try out Windows 10. And they gave you a free copy of Windows 10, as long as you had some copy of an old Windows. But the thing that they did is that it was only upgradable one time. So you would use your Windows 7 key to activate one Windows 10 system. And it was, it, that key was done. So it would work as long as, you know, it goes into your Microsoft account, it binds to the account, it says you have this activated version of Windows, whatever. But if you change a piece of hardware on that computer, it invalidates that free copy of Windows. So I had this fun experience when I built my computer where I went in, set everything up, installed that Windows, put in the Windows 7 key, and I was like, yes, I just conquered the world. I just made it, you know, so I didn't have to buy Windows. Because, you know, honestly, I had bought the Windows 7 for dual booting on, a, on an old Mac. Didn't actually end up doing it very much. So I had bought this copy of Windows for 150 bucks. Just had it sitting there for five years. So I felt like, you know, one time in life I could have a free copy of something. It could, you know, it could just transfer to Windows 10, which I actually will use. So then I do all that. I use it for a week. I find out that I had this other really, really fun issue where my PCI Express was broken on my motherboard. So <laughs> my 1080 was running at 1x PCI speed, which is hilarious because it was still <laughs> capable of running Tomb Raider, the second one, on 1920 by 10, or no, it was on 1440p, max resolution, max settings, everything maxed out at 30 or 40 frames. On 1x. On 1x. Like literally 1 8th or 16th the speed that it should be running at. Yeah, one, one bus lane. It was amazing. And it was still... So good these days. Anyway. Yeah. And the card was still able to process things and run the game well enough that I think it was only... There's this one part in Tomb Raider where you're like in this valley and there's like a bunch of trees and then the people start attacking and there's a bunch of fire and stuff. And that's like traditionally or well known as like a... as like a really, really poor performing section of the game. Or mm -hmm. hard, not poor performing, but taxing section of the game. Right, explosions and fire and such. Yeah, that was the first time that I noticed that it was actually running slow. But either way, going a little bit off topic. So I got a replacement motherboard, uh, put it in, Windows wasn't activated. It's like, well, I mean, that's one of the key things they use to determine your, right. your, hardware, access, uh, your hardware connection is the motherboard serial number, I believe, and like something else. So I basically did the one thing you're not supposed to do when you're changing hardware, is don't change the motherboard. You can change pretty much anything else, I think, except for that. I did that. And then it invalidated my license of Windows. Hmm. So then the only way that I could get my computer activated again, which was fully running, had all my games installed on it, everything was running great. The only way I can get it to be active in air quotes, I'm doing air quotes in the studio, and I had to pay 130 bucks for Windows 10. And it wasn't very fun. So I could see why people hate Windows. Yeah. But even at that, you have this amazing computer that you're going to buy either way. That has all of this, you know, you have your video card, you have the RAM, you have a processor, you have a motherboard, you have your slick case, you have your power supply. Everything's there. Lights, don't forget lights. I mean, I do have the NZXT lights. Really love them. I have the Hue system. Um, I also have an NZXT case. I quite love their stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you have to activate Windows. But it's like, at that point, when you have all of that stuff that you paid for, you paid, you know... You paid the Bitcoin tax for your video card, which I did at the oh time. God, paid yes. 800 bucks for yes. a 1080. You know, you have your $400 worth of Samsung RAM tax oh, RAM because I got 32 gigs. Yeah, that's a lot of RAM. That's great. And then you do all of that and you're like, you know, I'm just not going to pay $100 for Windows. It just seems kind of pointless. Like you're at some point you're paying almost three. I mean, a good a good gaming PC is about a thousand bucks if you don't want to run 4K. A great gaming PC is like 1500 if you're running 1440 or so. A really good gaming PC is about 2K, you know? If you want to run 4K, you got to run by either a Titan XP or a TI or, heaven forbid, a 2080. Oh, God. Ray tracing. <laughs> Let's not get there yet. RTX on. And, you know, you have to pay those premium prices for that stuff. But it's like if you're paying, let's just say that you're going to pay $1,200. More likely, if you're going to buy a real 2080 TI, you get like an EVGA one. You pay $1,495 for an EVGA. 
2080 Ti and you're like, this thing is just like amazing. And then you put it in your computer and you're like, you know, I just paid $1,500 bonkers for a video card. Just the card. Just to get RTX. And then you're not going to buy Windows? Like, come on. I could understand the philosophical reasons why you wouldn't want to run Linux or wouldn't want to run Windows and would rather run Linux. But, I mean, it's just Microsoft really did do a good job with Windows in one regard that it really does feel at times like it is a little miniature Xbox. Now, granted, you don't get all the, the menus and everything, but you do get the on-screen overlay for taking screenshots, video, it's recording 30 minutes of your video, I think, if you want it to. You know, not the streaming side, not the Twitch streamers. That's just different. But if you're just playing like regular and you want to record, go back and kind of check out something that you did, you can enable that on Windows. Just pretty neat. It is really nice. Reminds me a lot of PlayStation, which was really good. It's just constantly recording the last 15 minutes of your gameplay. Mm. You can just click the share button, say video. It'll go back to like the last thing in the game that you were doing and you can just share it. You know, it's it's a it's it's a pretty decent it's a pretty decent OS for gaming. I, I get all that. I understand. But one thing we've seen recently though is that the Linux operating system in most cases is actually very capable of running all of these games as well. Whereas the maybe in in the past it hasn't been up to snuff in doing that. So then the question becomes if you have this free and open source operating system that you can do all of your web development computer science stuff. I, I can't because of the key bindings. Well, but that's a different topic. That's a, that's a different, that's the next episode. If you can do all these things on this operating system, I can use my web browser and go to YouTube and public function, public function, not show, go check it out. And the technology is there to run these games. Why would you prevent people from running the games? Why are you limiting your audience because they want to use something that's not made by Microsoft? It seems like a... I don't know if the distinction is worth the negative publicity around this, right? People are, people are upset about this. People are, people are very ingrained in identifying as Linux users. And so when they feel that big bad corporation like Blizzard has singled them out unjustly for no technical reason. Feels bad. Feels bad, man. It does, but I think there's like a, there's a small subset of people. There's a, there's a large subset of people who are on Linux, don't get me wrong, but there's a small subset of them that want a game on their Linux machine and are extremely tied to that on Reddit. But in reality, is there like a lot there? You know, I was playing, I was looking at Reddit the other day, looking at, you know, I always read the Destiny 2 Reddit subreddit. And I was looking at, somebody was complaining about how they didn't even realize they had to buy Destiny 2 Forsaken. So many people ask every single day, why is level 20 the only level that I can make? Why, what can I do to go further? How do I get to these other planets that are on the map? And, you know, you go into the channel and you have these people who, play this game granted they all just got it for free uh because of blizzcon um but they don't even realize that you know they they get this free game they download it on the BattleNet launcher there's a video for forsaken telling you what it is it's the next expansion for the game a level cap of 50 every single class gets a new super everything there's tons of content these people play the game every day for like let's just say two to three days they get to level 20 in the game, they beat the story, and they're like, what do I do now? Those people are so unobservant of the game that they're playing, and that's probably 90% of the gamers that are playing. They're not people that are like, you know, I really wish I could run this on Linux. That's probably like 5% of the 10% of gamers who actually know, and I'm going to make up statistics, I do that often, but 5% of 10% of the gamers that actually even know what Linux is care enough and actually want a game on that Linux system. I understand Linux in and out. Use it every day. Well, the Mac Darwin version of Linux. That let's is just, a let's just, let's just skip over that one. So you know the Darwin version of Linux where it at least feels like it's Linux. It, it is. Yeah, ish. Whatever. You know. It is. 
and then you use it. And I even, I even, I know that. I like Ubuntu. I have Budgie running on my computer, you know, but I don't want to run games on it. I tried. I installed Steam on it just for the heck of it. And I was like, what would this be like? Games were running at 10 FPS less, which is probably NVIDIA's fault, but it was. That's all well and good. You're probably right in that the Linux users who play these games are a very, very small percentage. I mean, you're talking, I think the last Steam survey said that they were 2-ish percent, 2.1, 2.2-ish percent of the entire yeah. gaming user base. And these are on games that have native Linux versions, right? You're talking Tomb Raider, you're talking Borderlands, you're talking Left 4 Dead, games like that. Those are kind of your big-time games that have native Linux versions of them on steam and you're still clocking in at maybe two percent maybe yeah. so if you look at that it's like are these gaming companies really being negligent and saying hey you know we know that these people want to play on linux and we're going to ignore them or are they just saying you know we have all of these different concerns all of these things that we have to fix you know we have for one we're kind of not really talking about consoles so they have an entire separate system that they have to support and Xbox, PS4, for most AAA games, you have Xbox, PS4, and PC. And PC sometimes is becoming an afterthought. Like Destiny it is missing, you know, they have a PlayStation exclusive. When I, when I used to play on PlayStation, there was an entire strike you got on PlayStation. Right now, there's an entire gun you get, an exotic gun that you can only get on PlayStation. So it's like they already have these different consoles they have to support. They have Windows, so they have PC as a whole category. Do they also need Mac and Linux? Which I think that if they did make Linux work, they'd get both. Because Darwin is Linux enough, Linux-like enough, to be able to, once they support Ubuntu, they'll probably get Mac. Regardless of the fact that Apple doesn't really have any <laughs> NVIDIA cards. So they only mm. have some of the, the ATI AMD ones. That but. is also a whole other episode. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they none of the none of the Mac computers except for the recent twenty. I mean, who games on a twenty eighteen MacBook? But those ones have Vegas, and then you have the you know the iMac Pro has a decent video card. So there's one set, but that's only a five thousand dollar computer that mostly professionals are buying for video editing, sound editing. You know, they're not. They might have a desire to play games, but if you're buying a five thousand dollar computer. You could probably buy an Xbox One X, and you're likely mm -hmm. going to play on that. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's such a small share of the market. I just don't know if it's worth it. You're probably right about that. One of the things about Wine, though, is that the idea behind Wine is that it takes the responsibility of building a Linux-first port of your app, and it completely absolves the company of, of that necessity, right? You know, it does. Like, you know, Blizzard is not are not the ones maintaining wine. It's an open source piece of software. Other people who Blizzard doesn't have to spend any resources on, doesn't have to spend any time on at all whatsoever, are building this piece of software that allows the people who choose to use it to play the game. They're free users for them, right? So But they would probably be users either way. And that's if probably someone true. really wants to play Destiny, they're gonna play it. That's probably true. And this is kind of a maybe a, a fundamental thing about PC gaming these days is that it's a it's kind of a captive audience, right? People are going to play these games. It's not like if a Linux version doesn't exist that that Linux person, Linux user, is not going to play the game. You're, I think you're right about that. And so that creates a little bit of a weird situation for someone who wants to stay dedicated to Linux in that, well, you know what? It, it's not really in the financial interest of a company like Blizzard to pay that much attention to you. So yeah. how badly do you want to be dedicated to Linux? Well, and there's the other thing. You're, we're also not quite pointing out that there is an entire set of Linux gaming systems that do exist. You mm -hmm. have the Xbox mm -hmm. and you have the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. They are Linux and they do run games. Um, you know, you look at the 2020 for the future consoles, they're supposed to both run on new AMD graphics and I believe AMD processors. I believe so, yes. In the so. Zen 2 architecture is what was announced. So. And that's x86. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how different is that from a Linux computer? From a real one? It's like true. A, an Ubuntu true. one. The other thing that I would say is 
in contrast, everything that Blizzard is doing these days is what Steam is doing, what Valve is doing with Steam, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm looking at their Proton GitHub page right yes, now. Yes, exactly. So Steam, for those who don't know, the store where you can buy video games. I mean, they also did make one of the best games in history, Half-Life 2. That's true. Well, but Half-Life, Half-Life 2. and That's true. Portal. Um, I, I would say that. Yeah, 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 all those. <laughs> I would say that the Steam store is probably a larger achievement than all those put together. But yeah. Yeah, that's another episode. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really been making any of their own games because the Steam store has been so successful. But, you know, you look at this and you have that set of really, really smart people, much smarter than me, you know, pulling all these different open source tools together, looking at their, their repo. They have CMake, DVK, uh, DXDK, mm-hmm. Open, uh, open, I don't know what all these are, but Open Soft, Open VR, VR Client, and Wine. So they basically pull together through Git modules like five or six other or oh, an FFM, FFmpeg of course everybody yep. always uses that they pull together like seven or so open source packages and then their own tools bundle it up together and actually have first party-ish valve software support for playing steam games on wine i mean isn't that something that you know blizzard should be looking at and being like well you know Maybe wine isn't just a way for people to cheat if Valve is like, I mean, not to say that it is a place for people to cheat, but it's one of the examples of the reasons that they could possibly give for not allowing wine support is that it does open them up to some attack vectors for cheating. But, you know, if you have Valve saying, you know, we think that this thing is strong enough to run games and to support things that are on our store and actually allow you to run things directly from their store, then maybe people should look more into this and be like, well... Maybe there is something here. And it's, it's interesting that it would take a company like Valve to actually push this kind of technology forward to really say, you know what, this is something that we're going to support. And sooner or later, this might actually be a part of Steam. And then a lot of game makers don't actually have a choice of whether or not their games run in an emulated environment. Well, I don't know if it's not having a choice necessarily, but that they are absolved of needing to support the Linux platform themselves, right? If the Steam client, which a lot of gamers, I would say most gamers, most PC gamers, are using to purchase the game, install the game, to play the game, if they're the ones handling the transi- translation to whatever operating system you're using, then you know Blizzard doesn't have to do any work, right? Any well, Bethesda yeah. doesn't have to do any work. Like, whoever yeah, well, it is doesn't thing, have to do any work. Is that Blizzard doesn't run any of their games on Valve. So it's like, you know, you have like Ubisoft has Uplay, um, Blizzard and like Epic for Fortnite has their own launcher, etc. I mean, most of these companies have their own launchers, mostly for monetary reasons, financial reasons of trying to, you know, sell their own like in-game add-ons and stuff that they, they want to support through their own store. But a lot of the other game manufacturers that aren't one of those big ones runs their games on Valve. But I, th- I think one of the interesting things about Proton is that, you know, if, if they are going to support this, right now it's beta, I believe, and it's experimental, etc. But if they're going to roll this thing directly into Valve's own Steam software, then they're going to have to be... They're not just absolving the developers of their ability to have to support Linux. They're also saying, if that game is an online game with any competitive nature, they're responsible for the security which Steam is usually, if you have a game that runs on there that is an online game, the anti-cheating mechanisms that, say, Blizzard would have in Battle.net, or don't know if Ubisoft has it in Uplay, but those kinds of anti-cheating softwares are built into Steam. So they're, I think one of the things that Valve gets out of this that is a better uh, ability for them to support Linux is that they actually are taking not just responsibility for supporting the game, but also technically responsibility for the anti-cheating mechanisms too. And if you were to take something like Battle.net in any of their games and figure out a way to sidecar them into running on Wine, I think there's a little bit more merit of an argument for Blizzard to say, in a way, you're, you're bypassing the things that we have built into the Battle.net launcher, possibly. I mean, the real solution to that is, you know, I think it's a lot of dev. If I was looking at it with my developer brain and saying, hey, is Blizzard going to support Linux with Battle.net directly and build their own version of Proton or use Proton? Because I think it's, what is its license? Probably not. 
Oh no, it's not. It's not MIT. It's a it's a Valve copyright directly. So yeah, you uh, they can't just copy it. Um, I have to look in later to see what their license fully is. But the point is, you can't just like it's not MIT. You can't just take yeah. it, drop it into BattleNet, and be like, cool, we yeah. have that. But all the underlying technologies that make up, I don't know if most of, but a lot of what is actually um, Proton are open source. So Battle.net could support them themselves. And I think that that's less work than actually supporting Linux directly from Battle.net or mm -hmm. say Overwatch. Mm -hmm. But really, if you were to put that on their chart of things that they want to do, that they have to put into their like yearly release cycles, they're constantly releasing content for Overwatch. They're constantly releasing content for World of Warcraft, although a lot would argue that some of the content isn't as good as they'd like it to be. <laughs> But, you know, there's that game is still chugging 20 years later. Mm -hmm. Do it on your phone now, Greg. Do you know that? No, I don't play phone <laughs> games. That's a totally different topic. That's no. it. No whole of the show. You know, when I'm mobile, I'm either mobile or I'm working. And when I'm working, I'm working. We're arguing with you at work. That's true. <laughs> That's that, this is the whole reason why we're doing the podcast, right? Because our coworkers keep telling us to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But most of the time, right you know, I'm either working or, and then when I get home, if I don't have to keep working for any reason, you know, project deadlines, et cetera, I just immediately either boot up my PlayStation, play Spider-Man, or maybe Red Dead, although I do kind of want to play it in 4K on a PC. You know, I'm waiting for, you know, the fact that that could be on PC based on some of the internal settings config files that we're talking about oh, here. Oh, really? Have you, been, have you been messing around with these internal files? Files, no, Greg? but you know, there's you been some reports on the internet. Files? No, there's just been some reports on the internet that there's a lot of config values that indicate that it's possible Red Dead is coming to PC. Mm. So I'm waiting for that because you know, being a being a cowboy in 4K, it'd be great. Cowboys in 4K, yes. Yeah, I want to go find that road where all the horses burn. Avoid it with my life, they, but at least see it. Horses on a road. You haven't seen this? I have not seen this. No, I watched a trailer with you that one time at work, but. I have been staying away from the gameplay because I would like to experience it for myself. I think that that's part of the fun of the yeah. game. There's apparently this one road that, for whatever reason, is a glitch in the game where there's like a fork in the road that you kind of... It's pretty common. So it's like a... I haven't played the game, but it's like a section of the game where people go down this road. But if you hit this like certain part of the road, your horse catches on fire, which is like crazy. Because, yeah. because in Red Dead, when your horse dies... You get you have to get a new horse. It's not like, you know, like Skyrim, where just like all of a sudden your horse is like, or even Assassin's Creed, your horse is like on the other side of the river, like waiting for you. Your horse is dead. You named your horse. You've been feeding your horse. You pat your horse for hours, and then it's dead. So I don't know, but I want to go find that road. I mean, I'm gonna keep my horse away from it, but I just want to. Can you park it. the horse and then just go on foot? Yeah, I think so. I think it's weird because I think the horse it's. It's like it's always just one of those things where like when you play games like Skyrim or something that has horses, you're like, and not Skyrim, I'm thinking of Witcher. So if you're playing a game like Witcher 3 that has a horse, it's always so weird because you get off the horse and then you leave them somewhere. And gosh, I think there is horses in Skyrim. I don't remember. But I don't remember either. There's other RPGs that have horses where mm -hmm. like, the, maybe I'm thinking of Odyssey or Assassin's Creed Origins. You kind of like jump off your horse, you go do a mission, you call your horse, your horse comes to you. It's pretty common. Mm -hmm. But in Witcher, I think you could still call your horse. But if you leave your horse in like one area and you kind of want to go back to where he is, you have to go back. So like if you go in a dungeon and you go out the other end, like you come out on the top or something, you go down the mountain mm -hmm. to get your horse back. You have to go back to where the horse is. You go like around or you go back through the place you just came from. You could do either. But like in some games, the mobs inside of the dungeon might respawn and then you don't want to do that. So you like walk around the outside in, in some way you have to get back to it. But I think that's kind of like the idea behind Red Dead is that, I mean, don't quote me on this, I think you might be able to call your horse, but I think you have to walk back to it and the horse just kind of waits for you. That would make more sense. more realistic. Yeah. And that game's all about realism. All about realism. I mean, the horse poop has its own animations per poop, so. I mean, there you go. They have a procedurally generated poop engine. No, no detail overlooked. No detail overlooked. Except for running on a PC. But. <laughs> yeah. So what do we think? Do we think Blizzard is doing the right thing here? Or are they doing the wrong thing? I think it really just comes down to the market value of it. Like, 
some of these game companies are gaming is like interesting like being a developer like i'm definitely not a gaming developer but just the amount of people that it takes to make a game and the amount of capital that it takes to make a game leads to these huge gaming companies activision blizzard etc they are can be profitable they can also fail they can also be bought out they could be sold they can be put under you know they can release a game like no man's sky uh hello games i think it is did that you know they release a game uh the game is poorly received they spend the next year making the game to where it's almost a completely different game and might win like some of the long-running game of the year awards and mm. some of these things i was reading or listening to a podcast they're talking about on ign they have like a, a a rating or a an award for like a game that runs long like a long-running game like world of warcraft like which one's the best game in the year and no man's sky is like up for it so you can basically you can go back and you can support these games for a long time or you know you can release a single game and just take the money and run like some other games do like call of duty yeah it's almost more like it's almost more you can almost think of it as more like a movie studio Mm -hmm. right where these projects are have gigantic budgets huge 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 budgets and the idea is that you have um you take this budget you got a ton of marketing a ton of the actual product um but you kind of have expectations up front right you think something like a call of duty is going to be massive something like a red dead redemption 2 is going to be massive right and so you spend massive amounts of money making these games. And so whenever you have that kind of money on the line, you're going to run into things like studios running on razor-thin margins, right? People being overworked. Uh, yeah, they said Red Dead, they were pulling 60-hour weeks yeah, just, towards the just end of it. crazy, crazy kind of stuff, right? So you really want to think about those kind of things at that scale. Are Linux users really that a big enough drop in the bucket to to warrant more attention probably not is the bad publicity worth the savings of time and resources on working the linux version of it also probably not so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see if blizzard decides to maybe make a little bit more of a coherent decision with their treatment of linux users I would say, though, this, to me, looks like Strike 2. I just, I don't know. I mean, I think it is in certain people's minds. But I think that there's, like, there's, there's more to it than just that. Like, you have, going, going back to Destiny, because that's kind of where this started, you have a, a huge argument right now about whether or not Destiny 3 needs to support old weapons. You know, one of the things they did from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2 is that there's a ton of guns exotic guns that you got in destiny one that when you go into destiny two you have none of them you know in destiny two in the first 10 minutes of first like not 10 minutes but the first five missions or so within the first 10 levels you get at least one exotic which is like they're really super crazy weapons Mm -hmm. that are all unique and have their own perks and stuff you get an exotic piece of armor after like within the first 10 levels kind of as like a compensation for the fact that if you were a d1 player you lost 50 of them you lost like 50 exotics. Ouch. And then there's a big talk. There's a lot of talk right now about, you know, in Forsaken, they've brought back things like the Thunderlord. They brought back weapons that were from D1. The Suros regime was brought back in the last expansion. There's just tons of things that are being brought back from the original game. Yeah. So like, you know, you have a lot of weapons in Destiny that are being brought back and you start to look at, you know, the studio has to make a decision when they're releasing a new game. Do we bring back old content in a game? I guess what I'm kind of rambling about and getting towards is that there's long running games that people play over multiple iterations. You have Battlefield 1 through 5, you have Call of Duty, I don't even know, 1 through 1000, however many of them there are. You have these like long running games that have their own engines that these companies support from year to year and they keep the AAA games, they just keep rehashing them and releasing them. You look at a game like that, like Call of Duty, and you say, they're going to make a billion dollars on Call of Duty Yep. every year. Yep. Do they even care if they piss off the Linux people? Nope. No. But then you look at a game like Destiny, where I was talking about the weapons, you have this long-running, very, well, I wouldn't say loyal, because they kind of lost a lot of them in D2 and in D1, because it's just the game has had a very fun run of <laughs> a lot of issues. But 
you have these games that run from for long periods that have issues like you know when you go from d1 to d2 you lose all your weapons when you go from d2 to d3 it's possible that the game is completely changing to be more role-playing based Mm. and then you have to kind of remove all of the weapons from the game sandbox in order to balance the classes and to be more like overwatch let's just Mm. be real in saying why they're going more role-playing based because that's how overwatch is and it has these specific characters specific stories and lore and that's why it's a great game you take that plus the single player part and you kind of wonder like they have all these other concerns to think about keeping destiny fresh keeping it fun keeping it consistent not pissing off people from d1 to d2 to d3 bringing back old content like they just did with thunderlord they brought back the cosmodrome which is the first zone you go to in d1 for like 10 minutes you were there and you mm. kind of got to experience the cosmodrome again but i mean you have all of these concerns where they have to release new content that keeps people interested and then you have these like very small one percent of people with like 15 posts on reddit complaining about linux and you wonder do they really need to support that and i think one of the things that valve's proton kind of shows is that someone else can do that but be that responsible unit for you they can say we're going to make something that actually secures wine for you the problem with their license and with with proton in general is that valve's going to want to get paid for it <laughs> so then you wonder like you know is this triple a game going to take potentially hundreds of millions of dollars of its budget to support or run on valve when, or loss of budget loss of uh, revenue by not running it on their own store in order to support something that does support wine just to please people so they could play games on Linux? Or are you just going to say, no, you got to run Windows? Yeah, I think the struggle of the Linux gamer has always been that you don't make up enough market share for anyone to care about you. And that's not a fun place to be. Yeah, that's why I think 2020 is interesting because you have the new consoles are looking a whole lot like a $1,500 gaming PC. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to cost them much too, which is great. Uh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Everything is getting more expensive. Everything. Everything is getting more expensive. And it's all Apple's fault. No. That, that's my hot take. We got, we got, you got to throw in a hot take every mm. once in a while. Every, what is a good podcast without a good hot take? Do you want, do you want to throw out any, any hot takes for us, Greg? Do you want to troll no, the audience? I no, don't, I don't do hot takes. Well, I mean, we well, live Explain in to a, me what exactly is a hot take. So a hot take is when um, the, the public culture show a hot take is when somebody s- makes a statement or has an opinion that is not intended to express a rational thought, but in- it is intended to be inflammatory. Mm. It is a close cousin to trolling, if you will. Right. So the idea is that you say something that sounds extreme or um, goes against what people commonly think. And if people believe you, you're edgy and you're counterintuitive and you're a contrarian. Mm. Whereas a lot of times people are just saying stupid things just to say stupid things. I mean, I had a hot take earlier then. Remember what it was? I, I don't remember. What, it must not have been hot enough. It was pretty hot. It was, it was hot fire. It was hot fire? <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is just install Windows. Oh, you got it. <laughs> That was my hot take. I just didn't know what a hot take was. <laughs> Linux sucks. Just install Windows. Yeah. That's your solution to the Linux problem. Just install Windows. Or you know what you could do is someone could write an emulator for Windows on Linux. And then you can run in your nice little sandbox. But, but Wine is, is not an emulator, though. No, I know, but you can go the other way. You just go the super uh, Linux, A Linux emulator yeah, for Windows? Yeah, you can Windows? make a Windows, uh, a Linux emulator that runs Windows on Linux in so, Docker. So like a, a... Super meta. So like a subsystem? Yeah, sure. A no, Windows it wouldn't be a subsystem. subsystem it would Linux? have to be like, it would have to be like, it'd be like, you know, the old emulators from running Windows on Macs. It's like a little like a little program that runs and it has like a little bucket and then it just delivers you windows. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the, the actual Linux. Linux subsystem for windows. The windows. No, I don't know. Linux. I don't know. I, I mean, why would you want that? You don't want a dev on windows. You don't want a dev on windows. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I think that's the only thing that we will ever agree on in the history of the world is that nobody wants to dev on windows. I mean, let's not do wrong. There's all you, t- all you .NET guys, all you, uh, uh ASP.net people chime in, let us know, email us. There's a ton. You're going to get a lot of email about that. Uh, we will read every single one of them and tell <laughs> every ton. single one of them why there's, they are wrong. There's a ton of people that use Windows for development. But, you know. We, we work with at least one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. <laughs> but yes, if you, if your preferred this is this is our call out for feedback. If your preferred software development environment is Windows, let us know. Email yeah. us. Public function show at gmail.com. That's set up. That's live. That's ready to go. I think that's subjective, though. Is it their preferred choice or is it just what they know? Because if they knew. Is there a difference? I mean, if they knew that it was how much better it is to develop on like a Mac or even Linux, if you can get past the key bindings. Those, those darn key bindings, man. I mean, you know, you spend. How long have I been doing development? Like. Eight years. You spent eight years knowing the Mac shortcuts for IntelliJ and Sublime and all these things. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to switch to Linux and the key's going to switch. I do agree with you that key bindings are kind of a big deal. I don't. And it is difficult to switch from a Mac OS based keyboard to a Windows based keyboard, considering different locations for a lot of the buttons. I don't think it's. Big enough deal. It is to completely write off the entire. I've, I've been especially running, especially one that is <laughs> so in tune with what it is you're actually trying to do with your computing hardware. I mean, I've been using my Windows computer. I have a supercomputer. I love it so much. Yes, you told us, Greg. Six cores, thirty-two gigs of RAM, Titan XP. It's amazing. You know, you have that thing. I, the only key binding I've learned is Command C. No, C. Control C. Control C. Control V. That's the only one. And I get and I mix it up because one of them is so much closer to the space bar than That's the true. other one. That's true. That is the that is that is the preferred way. That is actually probably the better way because your thumb is already right there. You know, you remember that one time we were at work and there's the person we were talking about and you know he right clicks to copy things? Yes. I do that on my Windows computer. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> You, I, I, I gotta find another host. You know, I can't, it, I can't it, have you here. It runs Destiny really well. Oh my god, four K, it's great. That is your, that is your. It's like sixty frames. So 4K. you're saying that you are a single issue voter, is what you're saying? Well, you know, I just think about my my Windows computer as literally. I turn it on. I do that weird thing they have in Windows now, where they have a keep like a. a you touch a, it to log in, right? No, I don't have a. I don't have a touch. You touch have to like thing. hit a key to. Get to the field to oh, type yeah, in your thing space. To log in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it has like a key code yeah. instead of a password. Instead of a password. That's weird. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? I don't know. So I do that thing, that experience. It's much, like, much safer. You it's know what's funny secure. is up in the top corner of my Windows computer when I do that, it says, it says, uh, speak to talk to what's her face? Cortana? Cortana. Uh, my mic's not on at that time. I don't have like a thing. It, it also, I think it even says things like touch the screen to begin. And I'm like, well, what, what touch screen? What touch screen? I mean, I know iPad? that Windows, you know, that's one of the good things about Windows is that they did take the time to support touch. They took the time to support, you know, they, their tablets are actually legitimate mm -hmm. computers that mm -hmm. actually have mice. Mm -hmm. They have Mises. Mises. Versus like my iPad does not have a Mises. No, and you can't even hook one up to. You can't. No, it's, it's kind of stupid. But, you know, anyways, there's tons of good things about Windows. I just... You know, it's not that I don't want to develop on one because I don't want to bash it too much because I do really think that Windows 10 is decent. It is really good. It mm -hmm. is a great operating system. I just don't want to use it to write code. It's slower on my same hardware. I mean, there's nothing is faster than Linux, not even Mac. Mac barely, like, my Linux computer, it takes, I think it takes more time to put, you know how, like, if you encrypt your hard drive, which... Mm -hmm. I well, do. I don't, but you do. I, I, yeah, I mean, I just, actually no, I did. It's I my supercomputer. No, there there could be yeah. like the key. There could be code on there that is the future business that makes me Amazon money. Who Top knows? Secret code. It, well, it's just like it. You know, if someone takes the computer, they could have the source code for like, I don't know, some future thing. Is that what Jeff Bezos did? Is that why you're not the richest man in the world? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jeff Bezos like. I want to be an Amazon certified developer. He's my ultimate, my older lord. So mm. who knows? But either way, like, you know, I just, I just want to be able to turn my computer on, go into Battle.net, Uplay. You know, I'm going to play some Odyssey this weekend, probably mm. tomorrow. Open up Uplay, get into that 4K goodness. Maybe use my Microsoft Xbox controller that works perfectly. Like, when I connected that thing to my Windows computer and I played Witcher with it, all the key, all the buttons in the game switched to Xbox control. Mm. I mean, granted, that's uh, 
Yeah, because they have one controller to support. It's not that hard. Yeah, but it's a great controller. It works great. It's, really nice it's a really nice I controller. I also have one. I do use it on occasion. Yeah. It is a really nice controller. So it's like, you know, that kind of stuff works really well on Windows. Then you have like the screenshotting thing. You have the overlay, the gaming overlays. You know, who cares if it's a little bit less performant managing memory? Like nothing is going to be fast as Linux. Like Linux, my, my budgie drive, like especially because it's on an M2 drive, it just boots up. Stupid it takes it. longer to type in the password to decrypt the hard drive than the rest of the boot up sequence. Mm -hmm. It's on. And then I don't know how to use the keys. <laughs> so there's that. Because you don't know how to use your pinky. No, it's because, you know, you spend seven years writing code on a Mac computer with a certain set of key bindings. And, you know, you just you can't retrain your brain. I mean, if I guess if you're, I think you can't. It is it's like difficult being left though. Left and right-handed. It is very difficult though, and sometimes it's not necessarily worth the time commitment. I think for you, it would be worth the commitment. This is the struggle I have with you. I mean, I think it would be. I do like. There are Linux distros that I do like. Budgie Elementary. They all look great. They all look like something I would use. But I have, you know, seven years of software that runs on a, on a Mac. Granted, you know, there's a lot of cool tools that run cross-platform now, like shout out to IntelliJ, runs on both. Shout out JetBeans. JetBeans, everything Jet they make Jet runs on both. You yeah. have Atom runs on both. What's, um, what's, what's Atom? It's that one that, you know, people don't use anymore because they use VS Code, which works Visual on Studio it too. Code, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it works on that thing too. And then, you know, you get Kraken runs on both. Yep. Got so all you have your if you're not like a, if you're not, I always get made fun of because I'm not always a Git command line client guy mm. you're not a lead hacksaw like me no i mean sometimes i just like to be able to see things in a gui it's just the way i am yeah but you know, is really good for that though it's not my, it's actually not my favorite git tool but how dare you you know i mean i pay for it though i have the pro it's, it's great it does it does work and it works on linux nice but you know you you have some some software tools that just don't work like for my whole workflow, not just my coding workflow, like won't make my coding workflow. It's just get cracking terminal terminal runs everywhere. Um, and IntelliJ or, or VS code, depending on what I'm doing. But then you have like all these other things that I have that are Mac specific, like Fantastical, OmniFocus, you know, you just have a lot of tools, man, that you use that are only on Mac that are kind of part of my whole workflow. I think it would be easier to find alternatives for those softwares than you think it is. Yeah. It's OmniFocus. I don't think OmniFocus works. I don't think OmniFocus is either. But I mean, OmniFocus is just... When I actually have like a lot of different things that I'm working on, I can't live without OmniFocus. Mm. It's just that good. And fantastical, whatever. I can get a different calendar. And, you know... Email programs, let's be real, I don't read my email. I don't read my email either. I have a lot of things at work that I just send to folders. Yes, I have a lot of email to get through, so. Um, I, just don't, I just don't get to it. I mean, unless it's important. Craig, let's wrap it up. All right. There's this thing at the end of podcasts, and I, I can't believe that you haven't heard of this. It's called the picks. When each of the hosts makes a pick, something cool that they're doing, something cool that they bought, something cool that they read. You just pick a thing mm. and tell the whole world about it. Put links to it in the show notes. You can go check it out. I mean, I have a totally unrelated thing that I bought recently that I really, really love. That's actually perfect. That's exactly okay, what we want right. for the fix. So there's a lot. So this particular item that I bought has these little things that go over your ears. Wait, what? They make sound. Wait, what? They're called headphones. Wait, what? Right. So this particular pair of headphones is a controversial subject if you look on the internet oh, because dear. it was the Monoprice M1060 planar magnetic headphones. Planar magnetic? That sounds fancy. This is pretty fancy. So when I first got them, so I, I've always wanted a pair of planar magnetics because I used to work in audio. I know that the, you know, ribbons and planar te magnetic technologies are really cool. They're two different technologies, but like they're kind of like the fringe techs. Like if you want really, really crazy really excessively expensive speakers in your house, they're going to be ribbon tweeters. Mm. You want like really excessively expensive headphones. There's two good ones that are not that expensive, but you want really excessively expensive audio equipment. It's going to be one of these cool technologies. So I've always wanted a planar magnetic set of headphones. I got them 
And I was listening to them at work, you know, in our war room with a few people. And one of the other guys that we work with is a real head fi guy. And he was like, they sound like crap. Mm-hmm. So then I took him home. I played a bunch of Gambit and Destiny. Mm-hmm. And I was using my Keller shotgun, which just has a very like punchy kind of sound with a lot of bass. Right. Shotgun. Right. Shotgun. Yeah. yeah pretty much. And there was one point in time that and I was using a cluster bomb rocket launcher and there was one of the hits, maybe like four hours after playing, where they finally broke in. Mm. And I was like, that's why you buy these headphones. That's mm. why you get these things. So anyways, my shout out is, I would say if you want a new pair of headphones that are open back, that are planar magnetic, that sound good for gaming, sound great in music, get those. That's awesome. That sounds fantastic. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. That's a great pick, Craig. Yeah, I love them. So my pick is a thing. Uh, it's this place called Two Bit Circus in downtown Los Angeles. Why'd we go there? We we were there together recently. What was that for? I don't know. I don't really know. Someone got older. Someone got older. Was it me or was it you? I can't remember. I mean, we're both pretty old. We're both pretty old. In in young old people's terms. Yeah. But it was my birthday. We were was... there for your birthday, Greg. Yeah. That was a fantastic time. It was pretty cool. I played some VR. So for people that don't know, Cupid Circus is a kind of old arcade kind of style thing, but it also has a ton of virtual reality and augmented reality games as well. It's a nice little combination of you can play skee-ball. You can play... Four-person skee-ball. Four-person skee-ball. You can play crazy dance games. Four-person Pac-Man. Four-person Pac-Man. Don't forget about that. And they you, make a lot of their own games. They, they have do. like their own little you know, remakes of things. Yeah, so it's kind of this perfect blend of kind of retro-y, very tactile carnival games, but then VRs with, like, weird-looking headsets on your face and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a blast. Go check them out. If you're ever in Los Angeles, Tupid Circus. I would, I would concur. The fun place is great. Greg, where can people find us on the internet? Are you on Twitter? <laughs> I am on Twitter, but, you know, uh, I don't use social media very much. Greg, you got to tell people your Twitter. My Twitter is Gregorski, just like my name on GitHub, just everywhere. At, at Gregorski, for those, those who would like to tell I've, him that he's wrong about his hot takes. I don't think I've posted or read it. Oh, don't worry. In a long time. The, the .NET guys are coming after you, don't worry. They're coming after you. I They're didn't probably coming after me. I was the one who was defending them. I'm on Twitter, at Al Park, A-L Park, all one word. .NET guys, come let me know. Mm-hmm. Come let me know what's going on. Greg, it's the first episode. Yeah. See, see, if it, see if it works out. I, I think we should do this again. Yeah. Should we do it next week? Yeah. What's, what, is the, what is the tentative type? Oh. <laughs> so 001, which will be the second episode, tentatively has a title called Greg Hates TypeScript. Oh, man. That, that's going to be a blast. Everyone tune in for that one. Yeah. That's going to be fun. We should actually talk more techie about TypeScript. We should totally talk more techie about TypeScript. Probably do some homework. Maybe. Or we can just wing it and just do hot take all day long. Mm. That's what. Great. You'll, you'll get some hot take practice. Hot take. Hot takes. Type. Do your types. Do your types. Types are good. Don't use flow. Don't use, don't use flow? Mm-mm. Use TypeScript. Use TypeScript? Over Wait, flow. I thought you didn't like TypeScript. I don't like anything. You hate everything, Greg. <laughs> Tune in next week for Greg Love TypeScript. Yeah. All right. See you later, Greg. See ya. Bye.